Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins. With me 46 out of 47 times is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Oh, sick burn. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is season three, episode five, and we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome back from vacation. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hope you had a good time. It was, uh, my parents are getting older and uh, technology is a challenge for them. So it was uh, a week of of trying to upgrade and update their technology and yet do it uh, so that they could comprehend and, and actually use the technology. So uh, it was a good week away from home. Uh, very frustrating at times. Uh, but it was a lot cooler in Colorado than it is here in Texas. Wouldn't so take much. I was grateful for that. Yeah, it's <laughs> been very, very hot here. Yeah. Um, almost every, well, actually every day for the last couple, three weeks, it's been over 100. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not looking like it's going to give up anytime mm -hmm. soon. So, Howdy, friends. This here's Buford. And that dang is it hot. Looking back at last week, last week, Tori was here. Um, and she, I thought she did a really good job. I listened to the podcast like a loyal fan that I am, and I thought you guys did outstanding. That was a great episode of Amos. She had a, I was prepared for like some of our other guests that were not quite sure how to handle and do and what to do. And so I was ready to, you know, I had a bunch of stuff and she had more stuff than I did. So <laughs> she did really good. I was really impressed. And, and you both worked really well together. I was worried about losing my spot. So we're back in the book of Ezra. What chapter and verses are you reading this week? When I left off two weeks ago, we finished up uh, verses one through six, the first half of chapter three. Today, we're going to do the rest of chapter three, verses seven through 13. And what translation are you reading from today? My standard New Living Translation, NLT. All right. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of God began in the mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and all the Levites. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Yeshua with his sons and relatives, and Cadmiel and his sons, all descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Hanadab. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple 
wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Amen. So I've got a few questions here. Yeah. Um, So my first question is in chapter or verse seven, it says they paid for the, all the, uh, the logs with food, wine, and olive oil. Yeah. But didn't they get a bunch of money? Money! From people as they were leaving under Cyrus's, you know, edict or rules, say, hey, everybody give them money as they're going to rebuild their temple. Is there no more money or did the other people not want money or, or why is it that they're paying with these goods. Yeah, if you remember back to chapters 1 and 2, there was a lot of money sent specifically for the building of the temple. Uh, We know from uh, last time that 15 years have elapsed from the original start of the return until the altar was built and the uh, festival of booths or tabernacles or Sakath, whatever you want to call it, uh, was celebrated. 15 years have gone by and apparently uh, the vast majority of that temple money has been used just to keep people alive. We know starvation was a real factor back then. Their fields were in terrible shape. And so they had to go buy food from anybody that would be willing to sell it to them. And and I think they got charged, you know, seller's prices <laughs> because they knew these guys had nothing else to eat. And so apparently just about all the money's been used up. And all they have now is the food and the grapes and the olive trees that they've planted and worked with for the last 15 years. Okay, and that brings up my second question in verse 8. Uh, it says, the construction of the temple of God began in midspring. which, what do we think of that? That's not actually the question, but since I'm getting through it, yeah. go ahead and bring that up. The um uh, the technical reading, if we'd used one of the other translations like uh, NASB or, N- yeah. NASB or NRSV, is in the month of Ziv, which is uh, late April, early May, okay. which is about six months after the Feast of Tabernacles, right? When we said did that last time, that was September, October right. time frame. So it took them about six months to put together uh, enough food to and olive oil and wine to uh, to buy this stuff to delays of all kinds of products from around the world blame it on the supply chain we've said that this new generation is really focused on the bible and my generation that it's really important to them to honor scripture that you they'd learned from their time in babylon you can't always trust men but you can trust god right. so trust god's word so they're more than their parents or grandparents they're willing to go to scripture and, and what we're absolutely convinced happened here is that they went to the books of uh, uh first and second chronicles and they looked up king solomon's supply list and they looked up who he hired uh, for masons, and they looked up where he bought his supplies, and they order those same supplies from those same cities, and they employ workers from those same cities. So the young people are are really trying to tie old and new together, uh, and so they're the ones that demand we got to we got to get this thing going. They had convinced the old guys, yeah, we should go ahead and rebuild the temple. When when the festival of booths went so well, the old guys came on board, and so the young people now have said, well, then let's look up the old lists. What did they buy? Where'd they get it? That's what we got to do to rebuild the temple 
just right. And that's why I got the logs from the Lebanon mountains and floated them down the the, uh, the river. Then. That was kind of a, sea, yeah. yeah, kind of a weird. If you've ever seen a cedar tree, um, they're horribly ugly. Uh, And they're not incredibly tall, uh, so it's not like they're doing this to get these huge long boards, um, but they are – it's really, really uh, strong wood, and it's very weather-resistant, and – they float it down to them from Phoenicia up on the uh, the northern shore of the Mediterranean Sea all the way down to Joppa and then haul it across the land of Jerusalem, which means it gets seawater soaked for mm-hmm. probably uh, a couple months to move that much timber that far. And that makes it even stronger and even more weather resistant. So um, they bought the by doing by buying a Solomon's order list. Uh, they're getting really good wood that's going to stand up and last for a long, long time, even though it's not particularly attractive trees or or great spans of lumber. Not like beautiful oak or anything no, like that. No, okay. no, it's not going to be like that, but this stuff is going to last for a long time. That's important. This, yeah. this building is supposed to last yeah. for a long time. Okay. And getting to my question, um, they during the second year, after they arrived in Jerusalem. Now, we just said earlier, even in this episode yes. and last episode too, that's kind of, it doesn't align with what we kind of know, right? No. This says second year, but we know it's, like you said, more like 15 years later, because did they just start counting after some date or, or what do we know? There there are some historical data anomalies throughout, uh, well, throughout the whole Old Testament, but and Ezra is, is no less uh, victim of that. Um we know that by this time Cyrus isn't the king anymore. I believe it's Artaxerxes that mm. is that is the king now um, you know, of Persia. And so, what we think uh, the author is trying to say is it's the second year since the process of rebuilding had begun. They we know they built a temple in or they built an altar right. for sacrifices in September or October. Late, late fallish, right? In the Hebrew calendars, uh, in a Hebrew dating, any part of a year counts as a whole year. So, yeah, we talked about that before. Any part of a day is a day. Yeah. Yeah, So, okay. So, September through uh, December of that year counts as year one. Uh, January through April, May, when they start building, counts as year two. Okay. So, they could technically say it's two years since we began the process that we came back for to build the temple. While in reality, the way you and I look at it is, no, it's been six months. Yeah, it's been about six months. <laughs> but in and their it, dating, two years. Okay. That makes a little more sense, I guess. So we've got people, you know, th- the named ones, right? Uh, right. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. I can say it. Zerubbabel. Well, that's easy for you to say. And Yeshua and his fellow priests and all the Levites are helping out. Um, and it says they were the Levites who were 20 years old or older were, were put in charge of the Lord's temple. Anything important about that? Yeah, you might you might wonder, what do a bunch of 20-year-old priests know about architecture or construction? They have good, strong backs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, but we know that they're put in charge as supervisors. The, yeah, the text true. reads that they're, they're, the, they're management. And, and your first thought is, why? Why would that ever happen? Um, again, this is going back to Solomon's 
temple okay. that he built. He hired stonemasons from Tyre and Sidon as well. Uh, and these guys come down and they start, you know, chipping these huge marble stones, uh, you know, probably like 4,000, 5,000 pound stones mm. that are that are eight to 10 feet long, but perfectly rectangular or perfectly square. Um, those guys know their job, but this is going to be a holy temple. And so Solomon assigned a priest or a Levite to stand over each one of those stonemasons and pray for them hmm. as they're working uh, and, and bless the stone as it's taking the shape of the future holy temple. Oh, Lord, keep this land king and make and so now when Solomon did it, he said, so between 30 and 50 years old, you got to go down every day and spend all day standing there praying, praying for the stone, praying for the wood that's being shaped and, and blessing it all. They don't have enough guys to get the job done. So like we said, the young people are trying to blend old and new. Uh, the old way Solomon's way was have a priest standing there blessing each mason the whole time he's working. But we're going to have to lower the age to 20. Just because uh, there ain't that many priests. <laughs> otherwise, we just don't got enough guys to get this done. So, okay. you know, we, we love the Bible, but we're going to have to work with it for our situation. Right. That makes more sense. <laughs> when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's Temple, the priests put on their robes. And I've jumped down to 10, verse 10. 10. 11, yeah. uh, when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's Temple, the priests put on their the robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites... I guess not all Levites are priests, but all priests are Levites. Yes. Okay. Correct. You got that right. And the Levites, uh, and the Levites descendants of Asaph clashed their symbols to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. Now, I tried to look up what were David's rules for celebrating, yeah. and I didn't really find anything. Yeah. Can you help me out there? David has these magnificent plans to build a holy temple and uh, for the Ark of the Covenant, and God tells him, nope, you're not, not your job. Not, you're not the guy. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Your son Solomon will actually build the temple. Mm -hmm. David says, okay, fine. But I'll bet I can put together the celebration ceremony. I'll bet I can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and still have my hand... In this whole, even though I'm dead and gone by the time it arises, it's still going to be partly David's ceremony. So David designs a, a celebration, which he passes down to his son Solomon, which is in fact enacted on the day that the foundation of the temple is complete. It's, it's David plans. Solomon puts it into action. And the, uh, the returnees to Jerusalem now, uh, are trying to follow that exact same ceremony and and as closely as they can with the people and the equipment and the instruments that they have doing their best to do exactly what they did in the old days it's it's got a modern twist on it but it's to the best of our ability we're carrying on our tradition the traditions of our ancestors okay i did find one reference to some of it yeah. it was in second chronicles 29 uh verses 20 through 36 but i won't read them all uh king hezekiah then stationed the levites at the temple of the lord with cymbals lyres and harps and they obeyed all the commands that the lord had given to king david through gad the king's seer and the prophet nathan so they all stood around and blew horns and crashed cymbals yes so party <laughs> One of the interesting things I found out or, or that, that I saw on that is, you know, and, and so the young people are praising, uh, you know, sing this song to the Lord. He is so good. 
His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Uh, that phrase appears frequently in the Psalms. Psalm 100, uh, uh, verse 5, 106, verse 1, 107, verse 1, 118, verse 1. Except it's different there. It's just, uh, you know, uh, give praise to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They add, for Israel, his faithful love for Israel ah. lasts forever. And it's, it's their way of, of putting something new on this. We were a gone people. We were taken away in captivity. There's nobody living in the north. There's nobody living in the south. All of the Jews have been deported. There is no Israel or Jude anymore. And now here we are again. Out of nowhere, we exist as a people again. So that's proof that God loves Israel. Yeah, and I so they that. add that phrase to the Psalms uh, for their particular situation of this is clear evidence he loves us, or or we wouldn't have come back. It's true, and God promised they would. Yes, so God keeps His promises too. Yes, He does. Um, and then we read in verse twelve, and I, I misunderstood this, uh, but many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. Now, you could read that two ways. Yeah. They wept for joy. Yeah. Hey, look, the temple's back. Or they're like, oh, my God, that's a terrible looking temple. Yeah. Which is it? <laughs> it's the sad oh, one. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you guys, that's just not the same. These guys are these guys are standing around and, and they're looking at this foundation. And, and the young people in verse 13 are just excited. They're like, this is so cool. We have a foundation. This yeah. is amazing. The temple is happening. And the old guys are standing there looking at each other going, this is a piece of junk. This just doesn't cut it. Remember? Remember the old one? Remember how amazing the temple was? Remember how fantastic this thing? Maybe we shouldn't have paid the stonemasons in wine. Right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was a bad maybe idea. Maybe should have given them water, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just, they're, they're upset and they're weeping when they remember what the old temple looked like and, and they look at at their work and what they have accomplished, you know. And there's a couple. There's a, a couple thoughts on this. Uh, I've got I've got two directions I want to go with that. Um, one is the way you remember things as a kid, you know, is just not the way they are. Have, have you ever gone back to a, a house or a place you lived in or near when you were a child? Uh, my parents built an addition to uh, one of our homes. And when I was a kid, I thought that thing was the size of a basketball court. Right. It was huge. Yeah. It was just massive, huge room that they built onto our house. Uh, and and as a, a much older adult, uh, I ended up being back in that same home one time and was shocked that if I stood with my arms out, I could almost touch the walls <laughs> on both sides. So your, your perception of what is big and huge and grand when you are a child is a little bit different 70 years later. And remember, that's how long yeah. it's been since these guys saw the temple. So they had to be four, five, six, yeah, were, seven years old, maybe, when they saw the last temple. And now they're in their late 70s, early 80s. Their the, memories just just aren't that accurate. So. And the memories, yeah, they kind of grow with age. Like, man, that was yeah. such a phenomenal, fantastic yes. place. It was so huge. And there was people everywhere. Yeah. And now look at it. It's just a foundation. Oh, it's, it's not so good no more. And, and apparently, um, and, and Ezra doesn't share this. Ezra stops that part of the story and moves on to a different issue in chapter four. Uh, so if all we had was Ezra, we'd say, ooh, so these guys just are standing around 
whining about this or crying. Yeah. <laughs> is it? It's a crummy temple. We did a bad job. Well, apparently, it was bad enough that uh, they even considered, let's just stop. If mm. we can't do any better than this, why go on? This, this just isn't even worth creating. It is so bad, I want to give you a zero, but that's not possible. Uh, and, and we wouldn't know that, and we wouldn't know the dilemma they went through, except there are two Old Testament prophets operating at this time who both make trips then uh, to Jerusalem to speak to Zerubbabel. Uh, the books of Haggai and Zechariah both have references to this moment. Uh, in Haggai chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 5, then uh, on October 17th of that same year, which is about six months after the foundation was complete. Right? Okay, so another six months? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Lord, so maybe they've stopped dead and aren't moving on because it's so bad. It's, it's such a terrible foundation. The Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How, in comparison, does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now, the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now, get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So God, <laughs> God says through Haggai, I don't care whether you like it or not. Get back to work. Build my temple. Right. Get back to work, Mr. Squidward. <laughs> stop, stop whining and get that thing built. And, and then in uh, Zechariah, we, we find this, verses uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So God loves what they're doing. Doesn't matter whether they think it's fantastic or not, whether they think it measures up. God is happy. God is pleased. And they need to be more concerned with God's response than with what I remember when I was a kid. Right. I mean, God's first temple, if you will, or the first place where they kept the ark was in a tent in the desert. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so it's like, hey, this place is great, dudes. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. <laughs> we had to walk through the desert uphill both ways. <laughs> and we and we were happy <laughs> through the desert. Eating nothing but manna for every meal. 40 years, sonny boy. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> it, shut up! <laughs> you guys are here eating eating uh, good grain and and drinking wine and whining about a stone temple. Don't want to hear it. Get back to work. You kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I, that's, that's interesting that he shows up. That the same idea shows up in two other. Uh, books are two other prophets. Uh, you don't normally think through that. It's kind of no. unique. Yeah. And also caught the call out to last week's Amos with the plumb line. Yes. It's like, hey, that's yeah. kind of cool yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
oh my gosh, it's all together. And I'd love to claim that I knew that information was in, in Haggai and Zechariah, but I didn't know that. I, in the course of my research, I just stumbled across that and was like, hey, that is this cool. is a really critical part of the story. We need to know this. That's very cool. Well, that's all I really had. It's kind of a short reading, so there's not yep. a lot more to go. Do you have anything else? I do not. Where do you plan to take it uh, on Sunday? The, the hardest part of anything is getting started. Yeah. And so even if even if your foundation doesn't look that good to you, get started and keep going. Okay. Um, so have you given a sermon title yet? Calling it Hard Start. Hard Start. Okay. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.ponderumc.org. Go to the top. There's a menu called Ministries. Pull that down. Click on Sermons. Look for the sermon Hard Start. And this will have been delivered on July 17th, 2022. I'll give you a pro tip. Okay. Uh, I don't know why some people change churches. What difference does it make? Which one you stay home from? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we'll close this episode. Uh, this is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thank you for listening. You can find us at www.ponderumc.org. There, you can watch the live stream of our casual service, Listen to replays of this and past sermons and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. Read.